heart's desire when we pray. Holy Spirit, lift us higher when we pray. When we pray. When we pray. Let it not be for a season when we pray. Give us wisdom and not reason when we pray. Let your name be our petition when we For wisdom and not reason when you pray, let his name be your petition when you pray. When you pray, oh, when you pray, 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 God, show us the way, show us.
Battle Ready Prayer. Praises be to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Holy One of Israel, Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I give you thanks and praise for your goodness, your mercy, and your grace. I give thanks for a mind to pray, a heart to seek your face, and authority to bring my members into subjection. I thank you for this moment and the opportunity that each day brings. I know that each day is special and I am empowered with unlimited potential. There are no ceilings on my life, obstacles that cannot be overcome, or barriers that can stand in my way. In fact, this is the greatest day of my life, and I am free to exercise all of the gifts and talents you have blessed me with. My hopes and dreams can manifest today, and I approach this moment with great expectation for miracles, breakthrough, and deliverance. I stand before you, Lord, naked, offering no excuses or justifications for my shortcomings and weaknesses. I come, Lord, seeking your standard and not those of men. I pray that you will forgive me my sins, known and unknown. Forgive every thought, deed, action, motive, or intent of my heart that is not lined up with your word, your will, or your calling and purpose for my life. Please forgive secret faults and uproot any seed of discontent that has been planted in my life. Forgive me, Lord, if I have held back the tithe, and give me a heart to restore every person that I have wronged. Just as you forgive me, I forgive those that have wronged me, and I let go of any ought, bitterness, or ill will that I have held in my heart. I will not allow sin and bitterness to cut off the flow of blessings into my life. I repent right now in the name of Jesus, and I receive the power of the blood to cleanse me from all iniquity. I come before you, Lord, with a heart that is after your own, and a mind that has stayed on you. I thank you, Lord, for saving me from myself and the consequences of sin. I surrender, Lord, and give you total and complete reign over my life. I willingly submit to you in thanksgiving and praise. I thank you, Lord, for the relationship and fellowship that you have allowed me to share with you. I thank you for every moment, prayer, word, and opportunity to gain revelation and understanding concerning you. Forgive me for the times I have taken you for granted or moments where I have allowed my focus and discipline to slip. I choose you, Lord, and all of your benefits and denounce all ties and fellowship with the world. I have no place in the world and denounce everything that it offers. You have given me a choice, Lord, and I choose to be in covenant with you. I have crossed the line of no return, and I will not look back. Each day I am getting more and more like you and growing further and further from this world. My reality in Christ is more real than what my natural eyes behold, and I know that you are not a million miles away. You are right here with me every step of the way. I will have confidence in you, Lord, concerning every situation I face, every decision I make, and every temptation in my path. Give me an ear, Lord, to hear your instruction, eyes that will not be deceived, and a heart that will remain faithful. My life has been built on the foundation that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You died on the cross for my sins, and your blood was shed for me. I exercise total faith and confidence in my belief that death was powerless to hold you in the grave, and that you rose again and resurrected every dead thing. I receive your resurrection power and declare that there is no dead thing in my life. I speak life in all things pertaining to me. Even now, Lord, I pray that you will breathe life into my relationships, my home, my dreams, my career, and my calling and purpose. Let there be no cracks in my foundation and restore every bone that has been broken. I pray, Lord, that dead branches be pruned for me and my harvest bear much fruit. I offer no resistance and pray that all ungodly distractions be pruned for me. 
whether they are people, unhealthy relationships, environments, dead situations, ungodly influences, or anything that is not expedient for me. I distance myself right now from every dead thing and release them from my life in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that I have inherited life through your sacrifice, forgiveness for my sins through your blood, revelation through your word, and I have been empowered by your spirit. I take precious time, Lord, to fully grasp and consider what my relationship with you means. Help me to never lose sight of the fact that I have an adversary that must be fought each day. My adversary is the world and Satan, who is the prince of this world. The world around me is not my home, and each day it becomes more a reflection of Satan, its prince. I am not ignorant to Satan's devices, and I understand that the world is designed for my destruction. The allurement of pleasure and the temptations that cross my eyes are for the purpose of robbing me of everything I have inherited through Christ. Every trap, every lust, and the pride that is in the world are set against me on all sides. The hope that I have is in patiently walking according to your word and staying firm to the covenant I have made with you. The world cannot strip me of my authority, but I can hand it over. I will not be deceived by what I see, hear, or how I feel. If it is not of God, then it is for my destruction. Help me, Lord, to see the spirit behind the temptation. The word tells me that Satan came to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus comes that I might have life and have it more abundantly. I rebuke and bind every influence that seeks to draw me away from you. For it is nothing more than a gateway to hell and will rob me of my eternal destiny. Father, I know you are able to do all things, and there is nothing that is impossible for you. Right now, Lord, I remember my first love, and I am prepared today to exercise faith in the light of circumstances. Sacrifice my own wants and desires in order to embrace yours. Stand on the word of God, even if it causes me to be peculiar. Deny my flesh and feelings, regardless of the temptation, and not make decisions based on what I see or think. I will forget about the past and press towards the mark. I will walk as a prophet of God, put my head up, and if anybody is there to encourage me, then I will encourage myself. I will not be ashamed to follow the examples of Christ, even in the face of persecution. To think differently in the light of the negative labels and slander I may endure. Nor will I be afraid to take a stand in the minority, even if it seems as if the whole world is standing against me. I am willing to abstain when others are eager to participate. To speak out when my words may cause me to be ostracized and to believe the Bible even when it is the unpopular thing to do. In other words, I am prepared to live like Jesus. I release my faith right now in the name of Jesus. Whatever situation I'm in, whatever I'm dealing with, and regardless of what odds are against me, I will be steadfast and unmovable. I am an elite company and encompassed about by a great cloud of witnesses. The words of this prayer will comfort me, build up my spirit, man, and encourage me in the way. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I rebuke, bind, and cast down Satan and his forces of darkness from any involvement, activity, or distractions in this prayer. I commission my angels to come against every thought, feeling, influence, and hindrance that is set against me. I stand in the gap for my family and friends and pursue the Lord with all of my heart. Even as I hear the words of this prayer, my body is regenerating itself. My body is preparing itself for another productive day. My body is developing according to your plan and health is being released in all of my organs, tissue, bones, bodily systems, veins, arteries, and muscle. My brain is processing the information consistent with your word and filtering out everything that is not of you. My heart is being protected from all ungodly influences and my innocence is being guarded. I have and will always have a sound mind that is saturated in your word. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, 
I rebuke evil spirits from attaching to me in any way, shape, or form. They have no place, familiarity, or invitation in my life. They do not enter into my eyes, my ears, my mind, or my heart. My spirit, man, has victory over them all the days of my life. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I rebuke, bind, and cast down, and break all generational curses. I decree by the blood of the Lamb and the power given to me as joint heir with Jesus Christ that I will not be the victim of physical, mental, or emotional abuse, nor will I have, serve, or entertain idols or false gods. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I decree that I am not a covenant breaker, and my yea is yea and my nay is nay. I pray, Lord, that you protect me from all hurt, harm, pain, and danger, and those that mean me ill will. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I have the patience of Job, the meekness of Moses, the heart of David, the favor of Joseph, the ear of Samuel, the courage of Joshua, the wisdom of Daniel, the zeal of Peter, the love of John, the faithfulness of Abraham, and the boldness of Paul. I abide in the fruits of the Spirit all the days of my life, and even now these fruits are growing in me. Lord, help me to be a person of great faith, consistent in good deeds, and a constant encourager. I will continue to love you with all of my heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit, and to love my neighbor as myself. In the name of Jesus and the power of your blood, I pray, Lord, that you are first in everything that I do, and I have no priority greater than you all the days of my life. I am eternally connected to you and have an expectation in heaven. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I pray that my face be before the Lord always and that your angels encamp around me and deliver me. Order my steps in the word and design my days according to your will. The Lord touches my mouth and puts his words in it. Lord, I will go wherever you send me and speak whatever you give me to speak. I am not afraid of their faces because your sword protects me at all times. Father, you are my sustainer, my provider, my comforter, my guide, my strength, and most of all, my friend. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I equip myself right now with the whole armor of God that I am covered from head to toe in every aspect of my life. There should be no parts of my life that are exposed on the inside or out, but all should be covered by the blood of Jesus. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I put on the helmet of salvation. I have been redeemed from all traces of poverty, and I rebuke and bind a poverty spirit. You supply all of my needs, and I am blessed all the days of my life. In the name of Jesus, I speak abundant harvest in my life. My bank accounts are overflowing, and my barns are full. The blessings of the Lord overtake and pursue me all the days of my life. I speak financial security and wholeness over my family and the perfect will of God in my life. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I rebuke, bind, and curse the spirit of death. I shall not see untimely death, nor shall death have any hold over me. I shall fulfill all of my days, months, hours, years, minutes, and seconds. I have divine order in my life, and death has no grip on me. A thousand shall fall by my side, and ten thousand by my right hand but it shall not come nigh me. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, my feet are shod with the gospel of peace. Peace rests upon me and covers my mind and heart. I have peace in the midst of storms, chaos, and confusion. Your peace comforts me in times of trial and sustains me from being weary. It surpasses all understanding, rendering logic helpless, and my faith sustains me. Father, you are an awesome God. You are not a million miles away, but right here with me each and every day. You walk with me, talk with me, and guide me every step of the way. You love me, and I rest in you, and I know that you are my God. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I have been empowered with the sword of the Spirit, and I have authority over all power of Satan. I rejoice and celebrate that my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. 
The sword of the Lord shall never depart from me, and I speak boldness into my spirit. I rebuke vine and cast down the spirit of fear. You have not given me the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. When I walk through the waters, you are with me. When I go through the rivers, you help me. And when I pass through the fire, the flame does not kindle upon me. You have sent your love upon me, and you protect me all the days of my life. The hedge of protection rests on me, and your fire shall be in my spirit. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, the shield of faith is an extension of my arm. My faith shall not fail me, and I trust in the Lord with all of my heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. If you said it, then I know that you will do it. You shall not withhold any good thing from me, and you are able to perform your word in my life. I fortify my faith by releasing the promises of God into my life. Every word you have spoken concerning my destiny shall be established and come to pass, and my enemies shall not prevail against me. In the name of Jesus, I pray over my marriage. I pray that my marriage will continue to be everything that the word of God called it to be. My marriage shall be built on faithfulness, trust, loyalty, and a mutual love of God. You shall be the head of my house, at the center of everything we do, and the word of God shall be the binding and final authority in all matters. I am God's ambassador in my house, and I shall cover my spouse all the days of my life, through my word, examples, character, and deeds. My marriage is blessed and washed in the blood, and shall weather any challenges that arise against it. Our love continues to grow stronger each day as the Lord allows us to see more of him in one another. If I am single, then I confess total contentment within myself, wholeness in my life, patience to wait on God, and security in Christ. I am a person of high self-esteem and significant value to the kingdom. I will not compromise my covenant with God, nor will I allow fear to cause me to operate in the fleshly realm. I exercise complete and total control over my mind, my will, and my emotions, and I do not leave any doors open for Satan to sneak in. I understand that every relationship is not for me. Every person does not have my best interests. All that glitters isn't gold, and every sugary thing is not sweet. In the name of Jesus, I will not be distracted by counterfeits and wolves in sheep's clothing. I will not lower my biblical expectations, nor will I give in to the pressures of the world. I have total confidence in God and the plan that he has for my life. In the name of Jesus, I surrender my children to you, Lord, and trust you to impart me with the ability and wisdom to raise them in the fear of the Lord. I make a commitment to my children to openly receive the instruction in your word on how to raise them, love them, and properly present them before you at that day. I pray that your calling and purpose will be fulfilled in them and ask that you guide and direct me in all matters concerning them. I shall be careful to represent you before them in everything that I say or do. I commit to live holy before them and set godly examples for them to follow. I shall not be a hypocrite, and I shall practice what I preach. I shall be a provider and protector for them and make whatever sacrifices are necessary to ensure them a wonderful life. I shall fight to preserve their innocence and protect them from the brainwashing of the world. My expectation in them shall come to pass, and the blessings set out in your words shall be established in them. My children shall see you in everything that I say and do. In the name of Jesus, I seal my soul to the words of this covenant, that it is the declaration of my heart, that every word be lined up with the perfect will of God, and line by line with his understanding. Let the Lord Jesus Christ be the final arbitrator of my mind and heart, and that this covenant be in all ways pleasing in the sight of God. I thank you, Lord, that you love me, and that you hear me. I thank you, Lord, for a mind to share intimate fellowship with you. I thank you that these words shall be established in my heart and mind, that they shall be a part of me and guide and direct my paths at all times. 
I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity and this second chance. I look forward to your return, and I know that nothing that I have done or sacrificed has been in vain. Thank you for this life, who I am in Christ, and for all blessings you have bestowed upon me. Amen. 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 <clears throat> Good evening. Good evening. Happy Sabbath. And welcome to LPJ 64, the Mr. and Mrs. Sweetling Bible Study Hour. And we're going to be talking tonight, the least of these. The least of these. That's we're right. We're talking about the least of these. So if you just joined us, thank you. And if you've been listening, we thank you for coming back. So we're going to go to um, Matthew 25, verse 40. Matthew 25 and verse 40. And the king will reply to them, Truly I tell you, in so far as you did it for one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it for me. Amen. Amen. That's the word of God. That's the word. Have you done it unto the least one of them? After seeing that Jesus lived a life concerned about others, particularly those who are hurting and lost, now we should expect that Jesus also will have a lot to say about care for others. And he did. So Jesus' teaching is practical, focused on what it means to live as a follower of God. As such, we can see that Jesus urges us toward acts of justice, kindness, and mercy, like those that Jesus himself did while here on earth. If we follow his example, we will minister to others as he did. Now remember, Jesus also talked about the kingdom of heaven. So in Jesus' description, the kingdom of heaven is a reality that we can be part of even now. It is a way of life that functions with a different set of priorities and values and morals than are found in the earthly kingdom. Now Jesus' teaching set out the blueprint for this kingdom and includes a strong focus on how we serve God and in serving Him, how we are to relate to others. That's right. The way we relate to others tell the world and you know Jesus and I. The way we uh, be kind to others tell the world whether we know Jesus or not. That's right. The way we love tells whether we know Jesus or not. And we gotta remember too that um, we also discover that serving others and caring for their needs and uplifting them is one way in which we can directly offer service to God. I don't think a lot of people realize that. Now anytime we do anything for anybody, kindness, justice, and mercy, you're doing it unto Christ. You're doing it unto Christ, amen. And whether you know it or not, most people don't realize what they do to their brothers and sisters, whether you know them or not, not just black brothers and sisters. Your neighbor, everybody is your neighbor. And when you say neighbor, that doesn't mean just the person living next door to you. That means anyone that lives on this earth That's is right. your neighbor. Amen. So whoever you do something kind to, you have done it unto Jesus. 
That's right. <clears throat> because the Sermon on the Mount was Jesus' longest sermon. His three-chapter survey of life in God's kingdom begins with a statement of value that has to come to be known as the Beatitudes. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 5 this time. Chapter 5, start at 2. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed, happy to be envied, and spiritually prospered with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, regardless of their outward condition or the poor in spirit. The humble who rate themselves insignificant, for theirs is a kingdom of heaven. Blessed and envy invariably happy with the happiness produced by the experience of God's favor and especially conditioned by the revelation of his matchless grace of those who mourn for they shall be conquered. Now, I'm not going to read all of that but that's just the Beatitudes in chapter 5 starting verse 2 through 16. Along with the deep spiritual application of these words, we must not miss the practical reading of them as well. Now, Jesus talked about recognizing the poverty in ourselves and, and in our world. He also talked about righteousness, translated as justice in some Bible verses, humility, mercy, peacemaking, and purity of heart. Now, we should take note of the practical differences that these qualities will make in our lives and in our world when they are lived out. Such a practical reading is emphasized in Jesus' following statement in which he urged his disciples to be salt and light in the world. Now, we are in chapter 5. We're going to go to 13. And he's saying, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, its strength, its quality, how can its, its saltness be restored? It is not good for anything any longer but to throw out and trodden underfoot by man. Yeah. So if the salt lost its flavor, well, good is it? It's not. Well, good is it? Throw it out. It's good for nothing but to throw out sprinkling a man's face. It's not good for anything. But you want to put salt in your greens. And, 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 not, and then the taste is not there? And no. the taste is not there. It's not good for anything. That's right. So, so that's what God is saying about us. What good are you if you can't show love, if you can't give mercy? If you can't help, have kindness and all of that. Kindness. Well, right. good are you? You're not. And you're so like we're going to go to 14 on that yeah. note. While you're... Okay, go ahead. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. It won't be 15. Nor do men light a lamp and put it under a pet measure, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. That's right. Amen. So 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your moral excellence and your praise worthy, noble, and good deeds 
and recognize and honors and praise and glorify your Father who is in heaven. That's right. Amen. 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 That's right. Give the glory to your Father in heaven. Amen. Because he's saying the more, the more excellent, your praiseworthy, your good deeds. That's right. Your good deeds. Good deeds. Good deeds. And so when we use appropriately salt and light or to make a difference in the context in which they are added. Salt brings out flavor, like we talked yes, about. Yes. As well as preserved foods it is added to. So it is symbolic of the good that we should be for those around us. Similarly, light pushes back the darkness, revealing obstacles and hazards, making a house or a city safer and providing a point to navigate by even when some distance away. Like a light on a dark night, Jesus said, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen. Amen. That uh, there is nothing but darkness in you. That mm. no one can see any light. They cannot see Jesus. Exactly. So they need to see Jesus. It's, it's not about you. It's about giving your Father in heaven the glory. Letting the glory shine upon him. Letting mm -hmm. the world see Jesus in you. People can say, I, I know he's a God sent. That's I right. know. Because I of the kindness and because of the uh, wisdom and encouraging words that you give to other people, it makes a difference. Yeah. Even if you give a smile to someone, you may not even know them, but it's because of that uplifting smile that they probably needed at that point, but you didn't know it. Right, right. But anybody can be kind to someone. Right. They, they know or they love or someone in their family. But to be kind to someone you know nothing about, mm. that you never made eyes on, right. you never spoke to before, to be kind to that person, that is hard to do. And that's what God wanted us to do, is to be kind and love those that you've never made eyes upon before and to give to those that you know nothing about. That's right, because he's saying also both these salt and light symbols point us to the responsibility of discipline, disciples, I mean, to influence and improve the lives of those around them. So we are salt and light. So when we live lives that mourn appropriately, have purity of heart, practice humility, show mercy, make peace, endure our oppression. So Jesus began this sermon with the call to embody these sometimes undervalued values of his kingdom. So we gotta remember that. We got to be, we also gotta overcome evil with good. Now we're gonna go to Matthew 4, 25. So when we consider the teaching of Jesus, it is worthwhile to keep in mind the people he was talking to 
and the circumstances in which they live. Jesus had begun to attract large crowds of people from the region where he had ministered. So in four chapter Matthew chapter four twenty five, it says, and a great crowd joined and accompanied him about, coming from Galilee, Galilee, and Decapolis, the district of the ten cities east of the Sea of Galilee, and Jerusalem and Judea, and from other and from the other the east side of the Jordan. So he had a great crowd of people coming from everywhere. And so we're going to go to um, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 1. Matthew chapter 5 verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. <clears throat> so most were common people living under the imperial rule of Roman Empire, but some were the Jewish rulers and religious leaders. The existence of the common people was difficult. They had few choices for their own lives, burdened by heavy taxation and weighed down by religious tradition. So these people were going through a lot. So they wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. You know, they was living on the wrong system. Yes, they was under the wrong system. They the wrong system. They had been through, I don't know what, with the Romans. Mm -hmm. And so they had nothing but hard times. And uh, so Jesus came to speak, and it's like, man, this, this guy's got something to say. And we want to hear because we have had another hard time. Maybe this is a way out. Exactly. Maybe this is a way out. Let's, let's, let's hear what he has to say. Because they were so burdened down. Yeah. And weighed down with all kinds of, uh, basically, just like you said, in Rome time, in the Roman system, they were in control of everything. So, it ain't like today that, you know, we're able to kind of choose this, choose that, and do that. We may be under some burden ourselves, but not like it was in the wrong system. Well, if you look at the, the Romans at the time, and they controlled they, everything. They had taken the Bible and got rid right. of it, and they were being taught the Roman way, the Roman system. And the we way had to the, live that way. The, right, the way the Romans thought, what the Romans did, they were preached to by the Romans and do and preached the Jew as the Roman Jew live as a Roman live, obey the Romans and all. Well, it's like the old saying says, right. when you're wrong, do as wrong do. That's right. <laughs> so here's a guy that was able to come in and teach something new, but they didn't quite, they didn't know what it was at the time. So they wanted to come hear it. Right. So they wanted to hear this because, hey, here's somebody that's got an opportunity to tell us something different. Hey, I got to go hear this. That's man, right. Man, we got to go down here and check this out because look here. We got to hear something we haven't heard before. So let's go. You yes. know how we do today. Anytime we get something new or somebody hear about something, you want to go find out for yourself what it is. Well, <laughs> if anybody come in town new, you want to go here and see what they talk about. You don't know your new face, a new voice. You gotta be a new thing, so you're gonna break your, you're gonna do your best here now and here. That's know? right, and that's what they did. 
That's exactly what they did. So they got down there to, to, to listen to Jesus. That's right. So in uh, teaching these people, Jesus was obviously concerned with offering them a way to live well, to live with dignity and courage, whatever their circumstances. One example of this is found in Matthew 5, Matthew 5, 1, 38. Yeah, it said, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the evil man who injures you. But if anyone strikes you on the right jaw or cheek, turn to him the other one too. Now see, that was, that was something. <laughs> that was something new right there they had never heard. See, that was, that, was, that was something strange that God said right there. That, wow, like, man, we never heard this before. You know, we've been taught uh, eye for eye, two for two. Man, you know, teaching and he's teaching us something different. Yeah, minute. you know, they, like, they've been heard that somebody strike you, strike them back. You know, so this is something, <laughs> this is something they done heard you know, right off the bat. Exactly. So I'm going to go to um, 40. And they said, if anyone wants to sue you and take your undershirt tunic, let him have your coat also. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Yeah. Well, see, yeah. this is all something good they're hearing right now. See, God has got me, Jesus is preaching this to him, and it's like, wow, man, this, this man is he's out of mind, you know. He's teaching something all the way different from what Rome has been teaching. He's teaching, they know it's, it's, it's love. It's got to be love. Exactly. Turn the cheek, give him a shirt off your back, go an yeah. extra mile. Yeah. No, this is not familiar with yeah. them. This, this is, is not totally familiar. different. This okay. is different from what they've been here. Oh, yeah. And, That's you know, what I'm saying. And so they they like, okay, I got to hear some more of this. Oh, okay. You know, man, this this ain't what we've been hearing. I got I to stay and hear some more. Hear some more what this guy got to say, Carl. I, you know, I've been here a whole, all these years and never heard nothing like this. I got to sit right here and listen to more. Exactly, because the scenario Jesus described were common experiences for many of his listeners. They were often violently assaulted by their superior masters. They were often indebted and lost their property to the landlords and lenders. They were often pressed into labor by occupying Roman soldiers. Jesus taught the people to respond with integrity, to treat the oppressors better than they deserve, and by doing to resist by so so by doing so to resist the loss of their humanity. While these oppressors tried to exert their power, the people always had the freedom to choose how they should respond. And by resisting nonviolently and responding generously, they exposed the evil of the oppression, oppression and injustice that was being done. You know, it's totally different from what we see today. Truly, the Lord is still speaking the same way to us. No matter who speaks to you any kind of way, or the slander your name, or whatever else they do to you, He tells us to still be kind. Because you know God said, Vengeance is mine, I will. Be That's right. He said, I'll make your enemy your footstool. 
love your enemy. Regardless of what they say, regardless of what they, they do. Or, or what they do. Yeah. Yes. Love them anyway. But see, this is where you can see commandment. Like, wow, man, I, you know, this is something new. This, That's hard to, how are we supposed to respond yeah. like that? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, now, you got to remember, there are in prison under the Romans now. That's right. And God is preaching this to them, man. Like, wow, how can we do this? And we're under these people slavery, and God is telling us to love them. That's right. How can we do this? It's hard. So they got to listen, listen some more. They got to find out, like, how am going to do this? You know, we're going to also go to Romans chapter 12. Starting at verse 20. We're going to do 12, verse 20, and 21. And see, he also tells us, but if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. For by doing, you will heat burning coals upon his head. Do not let yourself be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with can you imagine them sitting there like saying, hey, we ain't got, we don't have anything. How are we going to do this to our enemy? You know? And, 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 and they wow. hear a priest and they're like, wow, how, can, how, how are we going to do this? You know? And, and so they're really sitting here trying to figure this out. Exactly. How are we supposed to do that, Lord? You know, how are we supposed to do that? You know, one thing he let us know, that as a human, in our human strength, we can't do that. It's only through Christ Jesus that transformed the heart. Yes, yes. But see, eventually, he lets them know that. Right, right. As he goes along teaching them that all things is through him, and all things work right. All things work together for the good for those of us who love right. the Lord and who love according to his That's right. Romans eight twenty eight. That's right. So you know, they learn they learn yeah, as they go along who that's God true. is, who God and is. And see that's a process because you know and I know it's not overnight. It don't happen just like that. That's right. Right. So um, he also talked about the Good Samaritan. We're going to go to Luke chapter 10 on that. Luke chapter 10 on that, yeah. Luke chapter 10 and verse 25. 25. Okay, let us go, let's go with 25. And then a certain lawyer rose to try test tempting, saying, Teacher, what am I to do? to inherit inherit everlasting life, that is, to partake of eternal salvation in Messiah's kingdom. And Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he replied, You must love the Lord, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live, enjoy, active, blessed, endless life in the kingdom of God. And he determined to acquit himself of reproach and said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? 
Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? We're going to finish this. We're going to go to 30. And taking him up and replied, A certain man was going from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him of his clothes and belongings and beat him and went their way, unconcerned, leaving him half dead as it happened. Now by coincidence, a certain priest was going down along that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Yeah. And Levi likewise came down to the place and saw him and passed by on the other side of the road. But a certain Samaritan, as he traveled along, came down to where he was. When he saw him, he was moved with pity and sympathy for him. And he went to him, dressed his wounds, poured, poured on them all and wine. Then he set him on this beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. I'm going to stop right there. So who was the Samaritan? Was it the priest? Was it the Levite? No. It was the one that went over to take care of him, to dress his wounds, and take him to a place where he was safe but so now, he could heal. Now who was that? That was, that was really his enemy. It was his enemy. It was one that they were fighting each other. Now his, his people, his friends, stepped over him. Mm -hmm. His own kind walked around him. Okay? His enemy came and picked him up and took him to the next town and told the man, look, take care of him. Um, feed him, heal him, I'll come back him. and pay you the rest of the wages. I've got to go on to the next town, but I'll be back in a few days. And whatever, and whatever he need, I'll give it to you. Whatever he need, whatever his bill is, I'll take care of it. And whatever else he needs, I'll take care of it. Now that was his enemy. That's right. So that, that forgot, that's his neighbor. That's his neighbor. Your enemy is your neighbor. Your friend is your neighbor. That's right. That's, right. And that's who your neighbor is. Whoever may need your help, your love, your kindness. You be there for Whatever it is, that's your neighbor, whoever that may be. That's what? right. And we're going to come back and talk more about the least of these. So we want you to keep it locked in on LPJ 64. With Mr. and Mrs. Sweet Thing Bible Study Hour.
have just joined us. You are listening to LPJ 64 with Mr. and Mrs. Sweet Thing Bible Study Hour. We're talking about the least of these. You know, when Jesus was questioned, he often concluded his answer with an outcome quite different from what the questioner was seeking. In response to instruction, we're going to go in Leviticus in the Old Testament, chapter 19, verse 18. Leviticus 19, 18. You should not take revenge or bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you should love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So, and loving your neighbor as yourself is seen many of the religious people of his day have spent much time and energy debating the extent and limits of this neighbor principle. So Jesus had already sought to expand his followers' understanding of his term, urging that not only should they love their neighbor, but they should do good to everyone. We go, um, go to Matthew 5, verse 44, in the New Testament, Matthew 5, 44. You had heard that it was said, you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, that was 43 and 44, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So Jesus said, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You got to remember that Father in heaven, he causes his son to rise on the evil and good and send rain on the righteous. You got to remember that. And that is in 45. To show that you are children of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the wicked and on the good and makes the rain fall from upon the upright and the wrongdoers. So in other words, he allowed even us to have the sunshine and the rain. Yeah, and well, he allowed the sunshine rain fall on all of us. That's right. He tells his people, his children, to love and forgive. That's Even right. your enemy, to love and forgive everyone. So did he. He now, and he forgave all of us. He went to the cross for all of us. Yes, he did. All of us. He loved us all. So who won't we? Not to love our enemies because we we gotta remember if we when we didn't have Christ we was his enemy. We was until so he loved we, us anyway. Until Christ came along, we were all God's enemy. That is correct. But when an expert in religious law sought to test Jesus, he fell back on the much debated question, "Who is my neighbor?" So in response, Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan. But the ultimate response to the Lord's question was not to define the neighbor terminology. Instead, Jesus said, in effect, go and be a neighbor to anyone who needs your help. Thank so you. you go and be a neighbor. Amen. Go and be a neighbor. And Instead of saying, who is my neighbor, you go and be the neighbor to somebody that needs you. That's right. Someone that needs you. Someone that needs your love, your help. 
Someone needs you to stand behind them. Mm -hmm. Somebody needs to be encouraged. Someone needs to be encouraged. Someone needs to be lifted up. It's not always money. No. It's just a kind word. A hug. A hug. A good morning. A yeah. hello. How are you doing? I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. Are you having a good day? That's right. How was your day? That's all sometimes. It's not always money. If you can't not do that and say What good are you? The saying you know God. Right. Then I'm sorry. I don't think God knows you and he don't live in you. And you can't be a neighbor and just say, I love you, good morning, how are you? Right. That you have a good day. May I help you with that? May I help you with Can that? I do that's the love of Jesus. Amen. That's the love of Jesus. And that's all he asked of us. Be a good neighbor. That's right. Be a good Samaritan. Be that neighbor. And you can go and help others. So, as was common in Jesus' teaching, his harshest criticism was aimed at those who claimed to be religious, but showed little concern for the suffering of others. So in the story of the Good Samaritan, Christ illustrates the nature of a true religion. He shows that it is consistent, not in systems, creeds, or riots, rights, but in the performance of loving deeds and bringing the greatest goods to others in genuine goodness. That's right. Amen to that. We gotta remember that the, the thing as a true Christian is the love. That's part of the fruits of the Spirit. Love covers a multitude of sin. And so, as we love our neighbors, enemies, or whoever you may be, when you do that, you're doing that unto God. Yes. When you do it to the least of these, your neighbor, you're doing it unto Christ. And when we learn to Pray before criticize. Mm -hmm. We'll be in much better shape. And we will learn to help instead of not help. God will smile more at us. Right. That's a good name. That's a good name. And we'll learn to be a neighbor instead of being selfish, prideful. God will love us even more. And see, the biggest thing that I see so much is people always talking about this self-love. You know, (laughs) love myself. Um, It's nothing wrong with loving yourself, but the best thing you can do in order to love yourself is to love others. Right. This self-love, tomorrow I need to think about me. But God saying in his word, esteem others better than you do yourself. Well, see, that's the thing. You need to love Jesus. Mm-hmm. So you need to love Jesus so you know how to love yourself. Amen. See, that's the problem. We love ourselves before we love Jesus. That's why we don't know how to love ourselves. And therefore, when you don't know how to love yourself, you don't know how to love others. No. So it's all, it all go together. It's a, you know, it's a domino effect. Love Jesus. So you know how to love yourself. So you have know how to love others. See, so you learn to love Jesus first, 
and then Jesus will put you in line with other love. That's right, because when you, when you sow the seeds of love, it will come back to you. That's right, because it's self-love. That's just what it is, all about self. And you can't love nobody else for loving self. If you love self, you ain't got love for nobody else. Well, now that, you don't even know what love is if you love yourself like that. Well, that's what I'm saying. You ain't got nothing for nobody else. No. See, when you love self, it's all tied up. You ain't got nothing for nobody else because it's all for self. That's right. But when you learn to love Jesus, you learn how to love Jesus and love Jesus' love through you. Amen. That's the way it goes. That's exactly, that is the cross. That's right. When you start with Jesus and you spread the world, that is the cross. See, because Jesus got more love than you would ever have. That's how you met him right. love through you. That's right. You learn to love him so he can love through you. And he can teach you how to truly yeah. love just so he was teaching them the Beatitudes. And you'll never run out of love that way. You'll That's never right. run out of love. You'll never love run out of Matter of fact, you'll be, you will feel so loved because Jesus' love will fill you. So right. to overflowing, so you can share that love. Right. That's right, that is. And also, we're gonna go. We're gonna talk about uh, the rich man and Lazarus. Okay. We also talked about the rich man and Lazarus. So in the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, and that was in Luke chapter sixteen. All right, sixteen. Starting at nineteen. I'm going to read some of it. There was a certain rich man who habitually clothed himself in purple and fine linen and reveled and feast and made merry and splendor every day. And at his gate there was carelessly dropped down and left a certain utterly destitute man named Lazarus, reduced to begging alms and covered with ulcerated sores. He eagerly desired to be satisfied with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs even came and licked his sores. And it occurred that the man reduced to bed and died and was carried by the angels of Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. 23. And in Hades, the realm of the dead, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham fall away and Lazarus in, in his bosom. Now, I'm not going to read all that. Right. But Jesus contrasts the lives of two men, one rich, one desperately poor. In the absence of social welfare, community hospitals, or soup kitchens, it was a common practice for those in need, disabled, or otherwise, otherwise disadvantaged, to beg outside the homes of the wealthy. It was expected that the rich would be generous in sharing a little of their wealth to alleviate the suffering. But in this story, the rich man was selfishly indifferent to the needs of his suffering brother. So, there is no evidence in either of these stories that the man became rich by doing anything wrong. Perhaps they had both worked hard, managed carefully, and been blessed by God. But something seems to have gone wrong in their attitudes towards life. 
God, money, and others. This cost him significantly and eternally. So drawing from the popular afterlife and imaginary of Jesus' day, the story of the rich man and Lazarus teaches that the choices we make in this life matters for the tech, for the next one. Remember that. The choices we make in this life matters for the next one. So how we respond to those who seek or need our help is one way our choices and priorities are demonstrated. Yeah. So think about yes. that. He's saying whatever you do unto each one of these I put in your path, you have done unto me. Yes, because God blesses us to bless to share, someone else. To bless others. See, he don't bless you to become rich to haul it on up for yourself and put it on in another bowl for yourself. He blessed me, he blessed my wife, he blessed my wife to bless somebody else. Mm -hmm. and he blessed that person to bless somebody else. That's why God blesses. He don't bless us to be all hauling it up. And when you do that, that's sin. Yes. God frowns. He frowns on that. That's why the world is the way it is now. The rich get richer and the poor get poorer because we don't bless one another. We get selfish and prideful. Well, I want for it. He's going to get it like I got it. And nobody give it to me. God don't mm -hmm. want it to be selfish. Don't want to be selfish like that. If your brother is in need, feed him. If he needs clothes, give it to him. Help him. Because God said, God said, I was hungry. And you fed me. I was sick. And you came to see me. I was naked. And you clothed me. I was locked up. And you came to prison to visit me. So you've done unto one of the daughters them. You have done unto me. So whenever you do something to one of your brothers and sisters out here on this God. earth, you have done it unto God. So whenever you neglect someone in need, you have neglected God. I know the preachers say, oh, you didn't pay your tithe, you robbed God. Well, you robbed God every day when you neglect someone that's in need. Amen. So we got to remember that. As Abraham points out to the suffering rich man, the Bible provides more than adequate direction for choosing better. They have Moses and his prophets. We're going to go to 29 in that same chapter. 29. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear and listen to him. So Jesus taught that the temptation of wealth, whether having it, keeping it, or seeking it, can draw us away from his kingdom, away from others, and towards self-centeredness, self-reliance. Jesus called us to seek his kingdom first and to share the blessings. We receive what those around us, particularly those that are in need. Well, that, that, we talk that, about. that was proven by the rich man. That's right. And the rich man said, I have done everything you asked of me to enter your kingdom. Now, what else must I do, Jesus? He said, give up your riches and follow me. And the rich man you said, no, it. I can't do that, Jesus. 
I can't let go of my riches. I can't let go of my car, my big fancy home, my money in the bank, my clothes. And I can't, uh-uh. I can't let go of them things. He turned away from Jesus and walked away. That's right. So when we do not share and give and bless others with what God has blessed you yeah. with, then you've done just like that rich man. You sure have. You see, another occasion when Jesus was asked a question and gave an answer quite different from what might have been anticipated is found in the Sermon on the Mount. His disciples came to Jesus and asked about the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem in the time of Jesus' return. We're going to go to Matthew uh, chapter 24, 1 through 3. Now Jesus departed from the temple area and was going on his way when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to the building of the temple and point them out to him. But he answered them, Do you see all these? Truly I tell you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. While he was seated on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us, when will these take place, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end, the completion and the consummation of the age? Well, the conclusion of Jesus' extended answer to this question referred to feeding the hungry, giving a drink to the thirsty, welcoming strangers, clothing the naked, caring for the sick, and visiting those in prison. <clears throat> and he assured them, when you did it to or refused to help one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. All right. We just said that. We just talked about that before you read that. Mm -hmm. When you refuse to help your brother and sister in either one of these, you have refused God. That's right. Like you said, feeding the hungry, giving the drinks to the thirsty, welcoming the strangers, and clothing the naked, and caring for the sick and visiting those in prison. When you have done it or didn't do it, you have done it or didn't do it unto me. Now, you may think that you're fooling yourself that God don't know it, but he know it. Okay. Now, when you stand before him on that day, he's going to tell you about it. What did you do for me? And you can sit and fool yourself and say, I did this and that and that. He's going to run that big old video back across your mind when you did nothing. Nothing. When you could have did and you didn't. You kept it all for yourself. You didn't even give a testimony in his name. Wow. And you know, this is connected with the question that began this teaching as a picture of the final judgment. Jesus presented more direct answers to the disciples' question, giving signs and warnings about the destruction of Jerusalem and the end of the age, but he emphasized the need to keep watch and live well in light of the promise of his second coming. In the first part of Matthew 25, the story of the wise and the foolish virgin urged the need for preparation 
or an unexpected or delayed return. The story of the three servants introduced the need to live well and productively while waiting. Then the parable of the sheep and goats is much more specific about the task God's people should be busy with. So we gotta remember we have to be about our father's business. Be about our father's business and only his business because that's why you were created, was to worship and praise him and serve him. That's the only reason we all was put here. That's right. And yep. when you serve your neighbors and do well and help them, then you are doing it unto Jesus. That's right. So we're going to come back with closing remarks, closing prayer. And we're going to play this song, but we want you to keep it locked in on LPJ 64 with Mr. and Mrs. Sweet Thing Bible Study Hour.
LPJ 64 with Mr. and Mrs. Sweet Thing Bible Study Hour. We thank you for joining us tonight. And we will have a closing comment. Jesus' statement that when we serve others, we are doing it to Him, should transform all our relationships and attitudes. Imagine being able to invite Jesus for a meal or visit Him in the hospital or prison. Jesus said that we do this when we offer that service to people in our community. What an incredible opportunity he offers to us in this way. Amen. 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 So we, if you have any prayer, you want to pray, you have a Bible question, you can email us at R-O-B-T-G-I-N-A-50 at gmail.com. And we're going to have closing prayer. A mind to pray. Dear Almighty and Omnipotent God, our Father, our Creator, and everlasting help, we humbly approach your throne in the precious name of Jesus. We eagerly enter your gates with thanksgiving and into your courts with praise, recognizing you are infinite in power and might. The fullness of your ways are past knowing, and your majesty is both seen and felt. Your word says you will grant us the very desire and will to do those things that are pleasing in your sight. In the name of Jesus, the first and the last, we ask for our mind to pray and revelation to have a deeper and more intimate fellowship with you. We ask that you drive out all distractions and the cares of this life and give us a sincere heart to seek your face with great expectation and hope. Let us have the same attitude of Christ, who was totally faithful and dependent on you. In the name of Jesus, help us, Holy Spirit, to submit our minds to the purpose and plans of God while teaching us how to follow him daily. Let us turn from our wicked ways so that our sins be forgiven and that you hear our prayers and restore our land. In the name of Jesus, renew our minds and saturate them in your word that our thoughts are pure and steadfastly focused on you. Draw us near and let us listen attentively to your voice, cherishing every moment in prayer and fellowship with you. Let us desire your presence more than our natural food and give us a mind to pray and seek your kingdom above all else, while trusting you to provide all of our needs. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank God. Amen. Amen. And may the windows of heaven open and pour upon you a bundle of blessings. And remember, we come on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. right here on LPJ 64. With Mr. and Mrs. Sweetman. Have a blessed night and happy Sabbath.